your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow my personal Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing and want to subscribe and follow for future episodes or catch up on previous episodes you've already missed, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. Tonight's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts a car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. On tonight's episode, I thought I'd kind of run through the state of the Winnipeg Jets as we enter this, I guess, really difficult stretch of the season and talk about where I think Winnipeg is, where I think it should be going, and what I hope some of the young prospects in the AHL might learn, including guys like Dylan Sandberg and Vili Heinola, and whether or not I think it was the right decision to send them down. Let's first start off with the forwards, though, because, you know, we are heading into a stretch now where we're going to be without Pierre-Luc Dubois for maybe a game or two, and we're now starting to face actually decent teams. The good news is that the first couple of games will be a lot easier than what's to follow, so we'll have Edmonton and Vancouver for a couple of games, which I wouldn't call it easy, right? Edmonton has already beaten the Jets once this season, and every time we play them, it's just a very painful process because I think that top six that they have, including guys like Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and now Yesapuya Yarvi, those guys can make mincemeat of your defenders and do it very quickly, which is something that the Jets really struggle with because, let's be honest, Winnipeg's blue liners don't really move the puck that quickly, and they also don't handle a lot of offensive pressure well. Oftentimes, when they get a, you know, a serious forecheck from an opposing team or somebody trying to cut outside in really quickly, they have actually gotten beaten on those markings. I think one of the more infamous ones in recent memory was Milan Lucic, who had been on for like two minutes, somehow getting like a crazy outside track and beating Neil Pionk and then managing to body himself into the uh, the central slot area. Again, despite having been out there for forever, you just can't really give Lucic that much space. Sure, you know, Milan didn't score. He actually missed a number of grade-A chances, though, and I think that that's the bigger concern is, is better players like McDavid aren't going to miss those opportunities. In that respect, I kind of look at the Jets forwards as being mostly decent. I, I think where I'm having some issues is that I think the arrangements aren't really working as well as they should. So, you know, the first adjustment this year that was major was to split Shipley and Wheeler. That line had to be broken apart because it wasn't working, and no matter who you put with uh, with both Shifley and Wheeler, it didn't matter. You know, no matter the supporting wing, that line just really got caved in. You could put Ehlers up there, and it really wouldn't make much of a difference. Then we saw Connor, Stastny, and Wheeler paired together, and then we saw at one point Dubois come in for that spot where Stastny is, and Stastny got moved to the third line. And most recently, we saw a shift or two where Veselainen happened to be on the ice at the same time as like a Mark Shifley. So some interesting results, but I think the bigger concern is that going forward, it does sound like Maurice may be thinking about reuniting Connor Shifley-Wheeler, which for me is not really the way. Winnipeg's forward units really need balance. I think that that's something that right now the team is struggling with because in the previous games where they've had balanced lines, I think something that has stood out is that there has been an occasional lack of finishing. I think it kind of owes partially to the Jets being very conservative and where they're shooting from and who they're using to shoot. You know, in my opinion, I just feel like Maurice needs to cut the chains off this team and just let them run because you can't defend a lead. You certainly don't want to defend a tie situation. 
the Jets have to take chances and, and understand that at some point they are going to get bitten. We've seen Maurice let these forwards go forward and cheat for offense in previous seasons where he trusted the defense. This year and the past couple of seasons, we know that he doesn't, and I think he's very aware that the blue line is pretty bad. But oftentimes where it gets really tricky is that he then picks a solution that doesn't really make sense. At various points, he's asked the forwards to sit really deep inside the defensive zone to try and trap and counter, but that doesn't really work if your defenders also aren't capable of doing the same thing. Having your forwards support those D is important, but in the situation and, and the ways that they're being used right now, oftentimes the, the forwards don't really know who they're supposed to be marking, they get confused, and then there are communication mix-ups between them, the defenders, and the goaltender, and it's just a, a huge mess, especially when there's like a, a good rotation going between the opposing uh, skaters and attackers. When the Jets start seeing perimeter overlap routes from uh, opponents, it just creates a lot of havoc. I think the team starts to lose focus and loses track of who they're supposed to be defending, and oftentimes the man's own scheme that the Jets use naturally confuses Winnipeg's own skaters. They've just looked uh, lost in a lot of areas, and I feel like that's reflected in the fact that the Jets often struggle to clear the zone. Even their most gifted forwards really struggle to do it too. And then they just make like a really dumb pass that gets picked off, or they throw it along the walls, and instead of going out of the zone or meeting like a, a friendly skater, instead it gets picked off, turned over, and turned into a goal. I just don't really understand what the thinking is with some of the stuff that the Jets forwards are asked to do, because you know, you look at a lot of other teams, and sure, you know, forwards should always be used as outlets and essentially additional defenders because that's part of their job to create offense. You have to get possession of the puck somehow to create attacking opportunities, and doing so through defensive recoveries and different things like that can really set you up to, to make strides up the ice. The same is true when you're in the neutral zone and the offensive zone. You want to keep possession of that puck and essentially head off opposing opportunities before they start, and I don't know that I've really been impressed with the way that the Jets have handled this. Sometimes their neutral zone play is decent and they can clog it up pretty well. I think they did it against Calgary or something a few weeks ago, but on the whole, Winnipeg's attackers aren't really great at defending or disrupting opposing counters. It's something that has been an issue. They've got a couple of guys who can actually do it and transition up the ice pretty well. Guys like Mason Appleton, Andrew Kopp, Adam Lowry, but the top skaters that often get a lot of minutes don't really do it as much. Mark Scheifele has gotten better at it since he's been apart from Wheeler, but some of the other guys, not so much. One of the biggest questions now is figuring out how to shelter Kyle Connor and Blake Wheeler because both definitely need help and, and somebody to carry them, so I don't really know how you do that because I don't think any of Winnipeg centers right now can do that. That they are in some areas defensive black holes is a bigger problem, and of course, we also know that Wheeler hasn't been able to contribute as much offensively, especially at even strength. He's still productive on the power play, but that's not the only situation you want him being good at. You've got to squeeze more out of the captain, and I don't know how the Jets are going to accomplish this. You know, they've already tried to reduce his ice time, which has had some impact that I think is positive, but... He also needs to have a situation and favorable opportunities where his passing and shooting can actually matter. Some part of me wants to make him a center again and see how that goes, because when he was a second-line center earlier, it worked out pretty darn well. So maybe they could revisit that and see if it works again? Connor, I don't know what to do with, because as great as Kyle is at scoring goals, it seems like he's regressed a bit since his early season jump where he looked very engaged and was using his linemates well. I feel like now he's still kind of back to his not-so-great habits, especially in the defensive zone. He's sort of ghosting there, which is not super shocking. He's somebody who doesn't really have defensive awareness and is mostly focused on going up the ice and scoring. My general thought is the forward core has the potential to be really good, but I don't really know if it's actually going to achieve that under this coaching staff. The Jets need to get a lot more mileage out of this roster than they are right now, and thus far I'm just not seeing signs that it's moving in the right direction.
There are definitely flashes of a better team there at times, but it's not enough to make me say that I believe this squad is above average or significantly above average. I think they're kind of in the mushy middle right now, and in the North Division, that's enough to make the postseason, but against better teams, not so much. Of course, the forwards aren't the only ones struggling, and in just a moment, we'll talk about why the blue line needs a lot of rejiggering and a lot of work to essentially get this one back up to speed. But before then, I wanted to tell you a little bit about why BetOnline.ag needs to be your one-stop shop for all your online betting needs. BetOnline is the safest, fastest, and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are all in full swing, plus a whole host of international soccer leagues including Bundesliga, La Liga, and the Premier League. No matter your sporting interests, BetOnline has you covered. They even cover awards, TV shows, and reality TV, and have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Whether you want to place a bet on who you think the next Stanley Cup champion is going to be, or who you think is getting voted off your favorite reality TV show, BetOnline also features your whole host of news, scores, and odds, so you can always stay up to date on the latest sports happenings. To start today and create your free account, head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, and when you do, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON when you create your free account for the 50% welcome bonus. Stop sitting on the sidelines and get in on the action today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. When it comes to repairing your car, figuring out what parts you need, and how much to spend is one of the biggest problems all of us face. I'd bet most of you probably aren't automotive experts and know even less about automotive repairs, beyond what you can find on Google. If you want to stop messing about and get your one-stop shop for all your automotive part needs, look no further than rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Their intuitive, easy-to-use website allows you to filter by make, year, and model of your vehicle and set a price range so you get the exact parts you need at the prices you want. Whether you're looking for a brand new engine control module or a floor mat replacement, RockAuto.com's diverse catalog is sure to have what you need in stock. Best of all, you could save anywhere from 20, 30, even 50% off retail brick-and-mortar in-store pricing. So why shop anywhere else when rockauto.com has everything you need? Head on over to rockauto.com, and when you place your order, be sure to write locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. And don't forget to write locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are talking about where the Jets are at this state and what I think of the forwards, the defense, and some of their AHL roster moves and what I hope for from this team going forward. We just talked about the forwards, and so now it's time to take a look at the, the back line and really where a lot of the Jets' struggles are. But before then, I wanted to tell you about why you need to be listening to Locked on Today. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked on Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And now on to uh, our favorite topic, the Winnipeg Jets defenders, which this has been a strange season for Winnipeg's defense. I think there's been a lot of movement. Um, Of course, we had a COVID situation with Tucker Pullman. Thankfully, Pullman seems like he's all right. I hope that he stays healthy going forward, you know, not just for the hockey side of things, but for his own personal, you know, safety and all that. I I do worry that folks who get infected with this stuff, you know, if they become symptomatic at any point, you don't want them to have any sort of long-term health impacts. The rest of the defense has mostly stayed healthy. We've avoided any serious injuries uh, starting the past couple of weeks. That said, a fully healthy Jets defense hasn't exactly been um, at the races, so to speak. I feel like a lot of the issues stem from a couple of key decisions. 
For one thing, Maurice tends to turn to Nathan Beaulieu a lot more than he should, and in a very limited role, Beaulieu actually does bring value to an NHL team. I think he's best as somebody who comes off the bench and occasionally relieves some of your, you know, third-pairing skaters who maybe need a rest, or to fill in as an emergency defender if there are suddenly injuries or illnesses that catch you off guard and you need to start making some substitutions. The problem is that Maurice tends to see him as something a lot more and gives him a ton of ice time. In fact, he was one of the leading defenders in all of time on ice, which even if he was like top three or top four is still far too much because top four on this team often means, you know, 18, even 20 minutes plus a night. So not great. And he also paired Beaulieu with Morrissey and that that pairing we just know doesn't really work all that well. You know, both guys are struggling. Neither guy can really support each other all that well. It's a bit of a mess. Now that Pullman is with Morrissey, things look a little bit better, I guess. Pullman has seemingly been okay defensively. I think the biggest issue is once he starts to have to improvise and make reads, especially in the man's own system, Pullman really starts to struggle a lot. They also weren't giving him that many minutes, but we know that in the past, Pullman has actually played something like top four or even top pairing minutes, which alongside Morrissey, again, didn't work exactly super well last season. In fact, both defenders got absolutely buried, so I hope that it's not a trend this year. I definitely want the team to not do the seven defender, 11 forward thing again, just because unless there's a reason like somebody's coming back from an injury or something, that's not really helpful to the team, especially in offensive creation. But once they do go back to six defenders, I also don't want them to to have a situation where third pairing defenders are playing like 25 minutes a night. You know, in some scenarios, you can't really avoid it, but I also look at this team and I see Dylan DeMello being one of the least played D on the team. And this is like a routine thing. You know, DeMello may have had a couple of rough games here and there, but for the most part, he's been one of Winnipeg's better defenders. And I feel like if he's trailing, you know, guys like Nathan Beaulieu and Tucker Pullman in ice time, that's a serious problem. He was brought in on a fairly decent sized deal to, to play in this top four. He needs to be given those minutes. And frankly, he's probably one of Winnipeg's best defenders, which again, isn't saying a whole lot. Lot, but he does bring a calming presence. Sometimes when he's not making mistakes, he can be a very smart player, knows his positioning, makes clean zone exits, and he can be a safety valve for one of his puck-moving partners, which he hasn't really had one that's decent in a while. The surprise of this season has definitely been uh, Derek Forbord and Neil Pionk being as good as they are. They have been one of the top played pairings on the Jets D, which is very good because that's that's actually what should be happening. They are Winnipeg's best blue liners, and that's kind of strange to say, but it's true. They work well together, they have good chemistry, and you only notice them starting to struggle when they have a lot of pressure around their own net, where, you know, Forbort might handle the puck a little bit like a hand grenade and Neil Pionk occasionally loses track of his marks. These are issues that we know that these guys have. It's not really a surprise. It's also something that you just have to live with and you have to accept. On the whole, both guys have done a very good job for this team, and I would actually say I've been very happy with their performance relative to what I expect. You know, these guys really aren't expected to be top pairing D, but they've played like them, relatively speaking, and I think, barring some nights where they get butchered, I, I think that they've handled the minutes about as well as you could ask. I mean, this team is really running on fumes in terms of blue line support, so I would have to give them all the props. I think that they've done marvelously. I think that they've handled expectations well beyond what anyone thought possible, and they definitely should be very happy with their performance. Logan Stanley, for the most part, also has done pretty well. I feel like he's been, you know, very decent in the limited time on ice that he's had. We always knew that, like, the best case scenario is probably, like, a quality third-pairing defender, and it looks like he's going to be that so far. There are definitely a couple of things that I think he could work on, like, his shot selection is okay. He, he shoots from, like, the right areas, but his accuracy is definitely a bit wanting in some areas. 
but he's also started getting more aggressive, jumping from the blue line, uh, going below the face-off circles. I like to see that. I like him getting behind the goal line. That's obviously a strange place to find a, a guy of his size, but he actually has pretty decent mobility, and his, his shooting is pretty decent, so if he gets himself into the right spots, he could be really dangerous. Blue line aggression in general is something that I want to see more of. We've definitely noticed it more with Neil Pionk in recent times. Pionk has been jumping in almost like a center or a winger, and I think that that's great. You want offensive support for your forwards because Winnipeg's D have historically been very conservative, and that's not super helpful. Get your defenders a bit more offensively involved, and look, you're going to exchange chances more freely this way, but I also think if you do that, you're going to see better results from your Jets attackers. The, the forwards don't have a whole lot of offensive zone support, so if you can get your D to jump in and activate intelligently, you might actually start scoring more goals. Make it happen, Jets. Let's have some fun stuff instead of the more cautious approach that often just doesn't work anyways because the Jets can't really defend. Speaking of Jets defenders, a couple got demoted to the AHL recently, and I thought I'd talk about what I expect from them as far as their AHL performance goes and what I hope they gain from it so that they can get a quick recall and earn their way onto the Jets. Before then, though, I thought you would love to hear about a brand new Built Bar flavor and why it might be my favorite flavor from Built Bar ever. If you're a longtime listener of this podcast, by now you know I'm a big personal fan of Built Bars. I've had a whole variety of their flavorings. I, I love the flavors. I love the texture. If you've never had one, it's a protein bar that's more like a candy bar. And most clock in at around 200 calories or less, between 15 to 19 grams of protein, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. They're low fat, low sugar, high in fiber, and high in protein, so they're perfect for keto diets as well as weight loss and weight maintenance programs. Like any great company, though, Built is definitely looking to innovate and push the boundaries of their entire line of offerings, and now we've got a brand new Built Bar flavor, and golly is it good. It's the Coconut Brownie Chunk, and I've had a chance to have a box of these things, and my word, they might be one of my favorite protein bars ever, and I'm very picky. The brownie chunks mixed with a dark chocolate and a really nice coating of a, like a coconut nougat inside is just absolutely phenomenal. If you've had the cookie dough chunk built bar, this is very similar, so I'm sure you'll love this one too, but this one is absolutely one of my favorite flavors. I love it to death. Don't wait though, you have to get in on it now as it is a limited time flavor, and once it's gone, it's gone. Head on over to builtbar.com to place your order and make sure you get the coconut brownie chunk before they're gone. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing out this uh, sort of a state of the Jets roster update with some thoughts on Vili Heinola and Dylan Sandberg now playing in the AHL as a top pairing. Honestly, my impression is that Vili Heinola is definitely NHL ready and should probably be playing on this team right now, but I guess the team has other ideas and maybe thinks he needs more experience or they just feel like they want to slide the contract back a year. Whatever their reasoning, I'm sure Vili will get used to very disorganized play and a, a, I guess a constant pressure because I looked at the Moose roster recently and like I could not name half of the lineup. There were a lot of players I simply did not recognize. Which, when you're fielding an AHL team, is probably not a great sign. You at least want to have a few recognizable vets, but this team is very different. It might be a little bit younger too with some young prospects like Cole Perfetti entering the lineup. Of course, McKenzie and Christian Reichel are still there. But yeah, I do think Heinola is going to have a lot of work to do and I would imagine that it's going to help him get used to playing at a higher level, you know, like 25 minutes a night or so. I'm sure he won't actually play that much, but something like it, you know, 22, 23 minutes a night, which he was doing, I, I think, a little bit of in Liga or certainly for Team Finland, but now he'll be doing it in a pro setting, which is probably a good thing. I'm sure Maurice would not give him the same amount of time at the NHL level, so you have to make a sacrifice somewhere, and I guess this is technically an exchange you could make. Sandberg is a bit more of a wild card, but from what I've seen in just brief training camps and whatever, I feel like he's a very smart, big guy who understands that he's not like a, a big transition player, but he's somebody who can be a very powerful presence, can make good passes, smart defensive reads, 
Occasionally contribute offensively, not a big offensive zone activator, but I recall him having a pretty decently hard shot, so maybe it's something he can work on employing a bit more frequently, and just getting used to the rigors of AHL level and pro level hockey I think would be good for him. The NCAA is definitely a step below, so he'll have a lot of work to do to acclimate. I would not have minded seeing him at the NHL level first, though, give him a few games and see what he can do. I think both guys are going to find that the AHL is a lot more disorganized and a lot more chaotic, and maybe... That's not always the best environment for young prospects. You kind of want them to get used to NHL structure and be ready for that more so than like disorganized chaos. We'll see if that hurts their development track at all. I don't imagine it will. I think Villy is very mature for his age and understands exactly how this game works. And I'm sure he'll adapt to the AHL pretty well. And I'd imagine that, you know, Dylan Sandberg will, would be pretty fine too. He's a big kid. He seems pretty smart, pretty bright when it comes to like how to hone his game to the level he's playing at. And I would expect that if there is an injury, at least one of them will get called up. I wouldn't mind seeing Sandberg as well because I think Dylan is probably somebody who is, is closer to being ready than he is further away. But until we actually see him in the lineup, it will remain something of an unknown. I just don't know why the Jets didn't even give him an audition here with the Jets before he moved down to the Moose. So I'm a little bit concerned about that. Hopefully it doesn't uh, bother him too much and they can get him up to speed and ready for pro-level duty so that when he gets called up, he actually excels. Both kids are, are going to have a bright future for this team and hopefully really carry that Moose team ahead because the rest of the defense is pretty good. They've got, like, you know, Declan Chisholm, Jonathan Kovacevic, uh, Luke Green when when Green is going to be healthy again. Pretty pretty good blue line core. The, the forward grouping is a little bit more of a question mark, but hopefully it uh, does just enough and makes the Moose fun. I'd love to hear your thoughts about all of this, though, so be sure to hit me up at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. We'll be back later this week with more analysis from some of the Jets games against the Oilers and stuff. But for now, that will do it for tonight's episode. Before you log off, be sure to check out Locked On NHL. Every Friday on Locked On NHL, join Joe DiBiase of Locked On Sabres and Tom Gazzola of Locked On Oilers as they round up the biggest stories of the week in the NHL and get you prepared for the league's busy weekend slate of games. From breaking down the latest blockbuster trade to sizing up the rivalry matchups on Saturday night, Joe and Tom have every angle of the league covered to close your week. Subscribe to Locked On NHL on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, and as always, thanks so much for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!